Welcome back, everybody, to the DC Beer Show. We are DC Beer across social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and occasionally Discord. We're going to interview uh, Josh Chapman from Black Narrows Brewing in a few. He's over on the Eastern Shore. You should listen to that before you make your um, Beach Week plans and head across the bridge. But first, Brandy, Mike, what are you drinking? I am drinking alcohol. As one does. I actually popped into Red Bear a little bit earlier, right before I got home, and had a couple of sours at Red Bear because it's sour season for me because the weather is warm. It's 80 something degrees a day. So, uh, you know, I fucked up some sours. But now that I'm on with my lovely, lovely DC beer friends, I'm drinking a Lone Oak Farm brewing 24 slash session. Get it? 24, 7, 24 session. It's a session IPA with laurel and mosaic hops. So it's it actually only clocks in at 4%. So it's perfect for right now. So shout out to Lone Oak out in, I think they're in Olney. Are they in Olney? Yeah, Olney. So shout out to Lone Oak for my, my beer of choice during podcast night. Mike Stein, what are you drinking over there? I am drinking Athletic Brewing Company's Free Wave Non-Alcoholic Double Hop IPA. Oh, shit. So I'm not drinking alcohol. Mm. <laughs> I'm drinking non-alcoholic beer, and it's wonderful. Uh-huh. Jacob Berg, what are you drinking? But before I announce, how can that beer be an IPA and only be double hopped if Miller Lite is triple hopped and is not an IPA? <laughs> A triple hopped brewed, not to be confused with triple hopped or TIPA IPA. It's just free wave, non-alcoholic, double hop IPA. Cool. I'm drinking, um, apropos of nothing, Black Narrows Here's Two, um, which is a dry hopped red ale done in nice stubby bottle. Um, We're going to talk to Josh a little bit later about the stubby (laughs) bottle and that aesthetic choice. Done in collaboration with the Blarney Stone Pub out there on Chickatee. It is 7%. Check out this color. Look at that. Mm. Solid amber with just like a nice bit of dry hopping. Mm. It's like a bigger version of um, Cap City Brewing's Amber Waves, I think, which is a beer I wish we still had around. Mm-hmm. GABF mm-hmm. winner. Shout out to Christy, wherever you are. Good stuff. All right. But before we talk with Black Narrows, beer news. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> So I heard through the grapevine, or the hop vine, I guess, if you want to say, Ba-dum. that <laughs> Snally of the Gaster, the Snally Gaster, is back on this year. <gasps> and I'm so excited. What? I, what? I, what? Everyone, everyone. An ooh, actual beer festival? Hold my beer. <laughs> yes. Snally is supposedly back on. Um, I got a text from a lovely beer friend who I haven't seen in a little bit. And they said, Snally's back on October 9th. Be prepared for a fantastic hug (laughs) is what I got. Um, So Snally is on, guys. Everyone just fucking get your livers ready. I mean, we've been preparing this whole quarantine. Our livers have been preparing for so like while we were solo drinking and had our little pods, whomever we had. We're ready. We're ready for Snally Gaster, y'all. Um, mm-hmm. So not there are not many details out right now. So you know, keep your eyes peeled and your and your ears open. Snally though is gonna be happening on October 9th, given there are no other mm-hmm. crazy fucking things happening. Because I will tell you, it stressed me out today. I was just telling Mike and Jake right before we started recording. 
that I went to Red Bear right before. And Red Bear is totally fine. They're doing fantastic with guidelines and keeping safe with masks. But I was walking down M Street in Noma. And today they released CDC updates with, you know, you don't have to wear a mask. And it freaked me the fuck out because <laughs> I've been fully vaccinated for over a month and I have lupus. Like, I, I you know, I want to be careful, but there were so many people walking around without masks, just walking up and down the sidewalks, down the street, like M Street's busy. So I don't know how we're going to adjust back to this. It's going to be weird. It's even weird watching movies and shows when there, where there mm-hmm. are crowds of people who are like, wear your masks. <laughs> so long story short, because Jake's giving me the, the twirly finger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Snally's on <laughs> October 9th. Be safe until then, everybody. Don't fuck this up for everybody. You know, if you're vaccinated, yes. if you're vaccinated, <laughs> you go out, you do you, you drink that beer. But if you're not, you better wear your mask. Don't fuck it up for everybody. Mm-mm. We are here to say, don't <laughs> fuck it up. Even if fully vaccinated, the CDC recommends, don't call a meeting. This could have been an email. Yes, yes. Even if fully vaccinated, the CDC recommends, dismantle white supremacy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Come on. Yes. Fully vaccinated, don't be an asshole. Don't fuck it up. We love mm-hmm. you, DC Beer Land. We are DC Beer. Please don't mess this up. That's right. Well, when we break the fourth wall here to chastise you, know that we're not chastising you, the listeners. We're chastising <laughs> your uncle, your aunt, your cousin, that guy you saw in Target or whatever. So if you see something, you should say something. Like everyone says, reach one, teach one. Don't let someone you know be the reason that I can't go to an in-person beer festival and give hugs Y'all, and give dabs. Let's do Snally. Yeah, Snally. <laughs> yes. We, so what we know is it's in person, Saturday, October 9th on Pennsylvania Avenue, same as before. Obviously, NRG will release uh, more details as they see fit um, on their little cryptic 8-bit social media clues and such. So, yay, We are looking for Snally. Bruce Coos. We are looking for Bruce Coos. Oh, no. Is that weird? Blues, yeah. blues, bruise, 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 no. I was trying. It did not work. I'm sorry. <laughs> Crickets. Hey, Stein, this is do, why do I wanna, don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> do you want to introduce our guest, Josh Chapman? Yes, I certainly want to introduce our guest, Yosh, or Josh Chapman, however you may refer to him. So, Mr. Chapman started out many moons ago. I remember he was at Evening Star Cafe in the Delray neighborhood of Alexandria. And then he worked at Blue Jacket for many years. Blue Jacket, my local brewery here in DC, he grew Blue Jacket up and then he struck out on his own to launch Black Narrows Brewing Company. And not only did he do that, he grew up a yeast strain that was cultured from an oyster that grew to be the salts uh, the beer known as the Salts, which uh, shout out to Jasper Ackerboom and Travis Tedro, the yeast propagators out there in Ashburn from Jasper Yeast. So Mr. Chapman is a force to be reckoned with. You know, he made beer in D.C. and now he is uh, supplying the D.C. beer scene with the Black Narrows beer. We just love the Chapman. That family is great. They're doing great things for Chincoteague. Jake, I'm very eager to hear about your interview. What what did y'all discuss and what do we see coming down the pike here from the Black Narrows family? Well, let's give it a listen and find out, shall we? Without further ado, Mr. Josh Chapman. Welcome, everyone. I am here with Josh Chapman, co-owner, co-founder, and brewer over at 
Black Narrows Brewing Company in Chincoteague, the eastern shore of Virginia. But you all may know Josh because he used to be one of the brewers at Blue Jacket, and even before that, was a sous chef at Evening Star Cafe. Josh, thank you for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure. It feels like being back in D.C. just with the timbre of your voice. That is so kind of you to say. I feel likewise it is good to, quote unquote, virtually have this conversation (laughs) if nothing else. I figured that we'd start with the big news, talking about salts the food and not salts the beer. Yes, salts the food and not salts the beer. Salts the bridge between all things that are beautiful and briny out on the shore. For us, it just kind of became a no-brainer, and it's funny how we got here. We turned three on New Year's Eve. It was not quite the celebration that we typically have, obviously, but um, we've gotten our legs under us. I feel a little bit our sea legs, as it were, and I had promised myself I wasn't going to get back into food after leaving the kitchen, Um, (laughs) but life has a funny way of coming back around. So we, for those that don't know, we renovated an old oyster shucking house out on Chincoteague. It was built to be a brewing at Second Life. It had giant walk-ins and it was a washdown center, basically. It It was fantastic. And on the same property was the little sales market and seafood market for what was our property owner's actual shellfish production facility. So... That had been used by him for a little bit our first year, and then it was kind of uh, leased to a couple other folks over the past couple summers, and eventually it's just sitting there vacant now. And watermen and waterwomen have a pretty tough job, and our, our uh, landlord's pretty burnt out of work in the water, so he came to us and said, hey, I'm, I'm not using this thing. Do you guys have any thoughts? And it just made way too much sense to, to get in there and try to extend the storytelling of what happens out on the shore from the beer to the actual oysters that that go in it. So yeah, we're, we're really, really excited to try to continue to kind of tell the story of the time and place with which that we you know make our beers, but also the stuff that kind of bears all the ingredients that go into it. Excellent. I think that leads into something that I want to talk about is that I view you all as one of the more purposeful and intentional breweries out there in terms of partnering with local foodways, local agriculture, local aquaculture. And I'm wondering how that might inform food and how that also might inform the beer that's served with food. Yeah, so for us, one of the things that was, I think that it's often this way, it's one of the things I've noticed coming from DC and spending the past five years now, you know, leading up to getting the brewery open and then being open out in a, in a rural area like the Eastern Shore of Virginia, how often the greatest things from one culture get sent away to the other one and even vice versa. You know, uh, us has come here is taking this fun craft beer scene and going to this rural area. A lot of times the things that we love the most are the hardest to keep around us. So one of the things we realized with this seafood market was you in D.C. can go and taste oysters from all over the country, um, the world sometimes, let alone specific regions. There's nowhere on the entirety of the eastern shore of Virginia where you get a, an idea, where you get an offering of more than one oyster. And half the time, it's just oysters on a plate. You have no idea what they are or where they're from. It's just oysters. And it felt like this isn't okay. Like If there's anywhere that you should be able to go and experience the nuances of the care that all these different watermen put into what they do, it should be on Chincoteague. It should be on the Eastern Shore of Virginia where so much of, especially clams, the nation's clams come from. So we're going to have basically a tour of the shore so that you can start on the northernmost bay side of the Eastern Shore of Virginia and wind your way down around to the tip in Cape Charles and then back up around the seaside. And the difference in 
the umami nature of different oysters, the brininess, the, the cleanliness, the citrus notes, everything else, you'd be stunned by how the difference of, you know, even 10 miles can make. We've got two oysters from the differing sides of Chincoteague, and you wouldn't think that they were on the same island. So for me, it just made so much sense being so agriculturally focused with our beer, how the time and place in the ingredients that go into our beer it still has to extend everywhere else in the foodway. So for us, I think when we try to serve all the stuff we have at Salts, the whole goal is to, again, highlight that across the board because no matter whether it's who makes, you know, who makes your coffee, who makes your beer, who makes the plate in front of you, when people pour themselves in the time and place that those ingredients come from, it tells a much more holistic story. And it's also one that can be told everywhere, which I think is so fun about craft beer. Any craft brewery can represent where it is if it just puts a little effort into, you know, where its stuff is coming from. That brings me to sort of, and we hear this more in wine, the concept of terroir, that there's this sense of place. And to me, and I will editorialize here, when I see a lot of the hazy IPAs and pastry stouts, to me, they don't have that sense of place. You purposely don't seem to have either of those styles, which tend to be like, pretty popular among uh, craft beer aficionados. Yeah, you could call that a bad business decision if you wanted to. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely, I don't know. What I really don't like doing is saying one is better than the other. Because I think there's there's a place for all of these things. Hazy IPAs are delicious. And I've had some stouts that have tons. I mean, Blue Jacket, right? We did Mexican Radio that I don't know I would call, per se, a pastry stout. But certainly a stout that had a lot going on and a lot of additional ingredients, right? So I think there's a way to do a lot of these things in really creative, beautiful ways. I just feel like with as many breweries as are popping up, I mean, we're at, even through the pandemic, we grew by, what, another thousand? We're close to 9,000 or maybe more per what um, the BA's last numbers were. If that continues to happen, I just believe that the best way to express true community, if that's still something that craft breweries care about, is by digging into where their things come from. Because there's a big difference between local beer and beer made locally. And I want to make local beer. I don't want to be up and down the eastern seaboard, right? I'd just like to see a lot of local breweries making local beer up and down the eastern seaboard so that when I go to you know, Savannah, I know that I'm tasting beer from that area because it's different because the malt's different and the hops are different and the ingredients that they're using are different. Just like when you go to a restaurant, you're excited to go see what the local cuisine is. There's no reason that beer has to be any different than that. I think that is very well said. Salt the beer is made with salts, oysters, the food. And I believe you all cultured yeast from an oyster? Well, Jasper and Travis over at uh, what is now Jasper Yeast, they, I will give all the credit to for, for culturing the yeast. Um, I did get the, uh, the original oyster from the actual oyster grounds of our property owner. So the oysters that basically were in what is now the brewery that was the shucking house, we were able to take some sterile wort, get some oysters in and see what happened. And fortunately for me, after the happening happened, I was able to give it to Jasper and allow him to deal with the uh, <laughs> the cards that fell on the floor afterward. He can tell you better than I can, but I, I think he said something like 150 plus different micro fermentations because there were so many different little strains and bugs and things floating around in there that found a way to eat something that he had to, you know, single out and, and see what they did. So we were able to find two different naturally occurring actual sacrifice strains. Both are very uh, 
Saison-esque. One is a little more phenolic, a little peppery, um, and the other is a little more fruity and floral. So yeah, there are two oyster, oyster house yeast strains. And so for a yeast-driven, ingredient-driven brewery such as yourselves, what role might Jasper and Travis, who by the way used to be a DC brewer at Gordon Biersch, um, but now they run Jasper Yeast right next to Ocelot in Virginia, what role is your relationship with Jasper and Travis and how does that influence the beers that you're planning, the beers that you've made in terms of consistency? Well, I mean, I would say, again, it's all a part of the the supply chain, the food chain of beer, as it were, and that and that sense of time and place. So in the same way that what the local fruit might, you know, influence what kind of beer we brew. Like we're getting the farms up the road, strawberries are starting to turn from green to get a slight rose hue. So okay, we're about to get ready to be able to brew some local strawberry beer. That'll be really fun. In the same way, the ways that Jasper and Travis are pouring into their local area, because they continue to help capture local yeast and different things like that. It's just another opportunity to hear from the people that know better than we do. And let them speak into the process, right? In the same way that we do with the guys that grow the bloody butcher corn that we use in, you know, our corn lager or our local hop farmer. Man, the Cascades busting this year. Look at, you know, look at the alphas. The lupulin content's amazing, fantastic. So we're going to lean into that, and they're the ones really doing the hard work for us, right? And it's what, it's what I guess for me gets so frustrating about craft beer sometimes is there is fantastic work being done that we get to stand the sh- on the shoulders of if we would just, you know open our eyes a little bit, work with this community that we say we're for all the time um, and kind of let them guide us into where the beer wants to go. Because what they always told us as chefs was find the best ingredients locally available in season and then get out of the way and let them do the talking. And I mean, beer is absolutely that. Have you come across any issues with consistency given that beer is an agricultural product and you've really leaned into the local aspect this is something that I've talked about a bit with Bonnie Branding over at Wheatland Spring. And she's just simply, she's come out and she said that they'll strive for it, but that consistency is really somewhat overrated, especially if you're going to be able to taste a sense of place and recognize that beer is agriculture. Well, I would totally echo Bonnie's sentiments on that. I mean, there's always, you know, always a balance. And again, just to bring up Bonnie and John and Austin and the crew at Wheatland Spring, God bless them. They make some insanely great beer. I mean, that they do. I just love those guys. And again, on the forefront of, of sense and time and place and beer, I feel like. So props to them. I just love those guys. But yeah, it's, it's funny you bring up terroir and the wine world. And it's funny because how long has beer been saying, like, how come we're not treated as, you know, as high class as wine or as well as wine? Well, you know, you kind of have to talk in those ways. And it's funny because it has been, and I understand why, there was a period where it was easy to make some bad beer and put it out in market. But I think at the point that we're at now, it's okay to say consistency doesn't always equal high quality beer in the sense that what are you being consistent with? Are you consistently making Beer without defect and without fault. Beer that is not, you know, having some brewing process, you know, off flavors or missing the mark of what you're intending it to do. Well, then you're still making high quality beer. If you're allowing the, the agricultural ingredients that are in your local area to express themselves while still making, you know, high quality, well fermented, you know, no off flavor beer, then I think you can, you can lean into that. And it's not a detriment or a dig on the quote-unquote consistency of the beer. It's more of a, we're going to do our best to highlight, right? 
what's available locally right now and let it showcase like master sommeliers. They'll be able to sit down with a bottle of wine and tell you what the season was like, if it was rainy, if it was dry, like all these different things. And that's this fantastic ability because you get to be transported to how that grape grew and how it was processed and what went on. Why is that different for beer? I don't think it has to be. To me, it's the wanting to be wine really is a double-edged sword. I say, I can go over to my local, which is Wardman Wines, right? I can buy a four-pack of your beer for $15. Sure. More or less. A $15 bottle of wine is a very different proposition. Very much so. No, I totally agree. And I think there's, again, I think it can lean more into the agrarian, you know, farm, saison kind of mentality of beer without having to try to be wine, if that makes sense. You know, it doesn't have to be the same cultural setting, but I think the appreciation of time and place doesn't have to be at the expense of quote unquote consistency as far as year by year agricultural influences to flavor go. Since it was brought up, I assume that DC and Northern Virginia are Black Narrow's largest market outside of the Eastern Shore. How is Salts and how are the other beers being received here? It's funny because especially just like a lot of folks, you know, having to pivot a little bit, a little bit is, is generous, pivot during during COVID. Uh, so we got our first canning bottling line, you know, and, and some other stuff. And it was interesting to see how packaged beer like that versus draft beer really is a different product and can even give us a better idea of what's moving and why it's moving. And the two beers for us that have gotten the most consistent response for as far as interest goes has been salts and how about it? So our tar oyster wheat beer and our, you know, bloody butcher heirloom corn lager. And what I has just made my heart so glad with that is that it's, again, it's the two beers that have the most for me accessible and expressive sense and time and place in them that we put out right now in package. So we've had big response to both those beers, beers that for people, I think, transport them to a place that they can understand in a way that they can understand it. And that's all we're trying to do. And especially with the fact that our farmers that are behind the beer are literally the farmers behind the beer on our cans and our bottles. For me, that's a huge thing. Like when I get to see somebody, somebody did a little like, you know, Instagram beer review on Salts the other day and watching them read Billy Warden, Tommy Clark from Tom's Cove, Aqua Farms, that's the win, right? Those guys getting their shout out, the fact that farmers and watermen exist, that they put literally everything on our table and they're getting a little shout out for me is, is kind of the big win. Yeah, and just as, as someone who uh, I think can be a bit jaded about beer because I'm around it so often, it has warmed my heart to see both a lager brew with corn, with heirloom corn at that, and a beer brew with oysters that I think it probably could be sold as a gosa, but that word is not mentioned anywhere on it. Watch, <laughs> watching those two sell has been, I think, pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. And we did, I mean, I hesitantly use the word goza when I really have to try to bridge the gap for people that are involved with craft beer. But the thing is, especially out by us on the Eastern Shore of Virginia, goza would just be an entirely different language anyway, right? So um, I mean, it, we, It's literally we a different language. It literally, literally is different. So it's been, um, it's been good for us just to focus on what's actually in there and what relates to 
to folks as far as the ingredients the people behind them and worry about stylistic comparisons later. So what's the reaction been on the Eastern Shore to say a tart wheat ale with oysters? Obviously, there are other craft brewers on the Delmarva Peninsula who have paved the way and you know, we shout out to Dogfish and Evolution mm-hmm. and Raw and Burley Oak and, yep. and those folks, but none of them are making a beer that says tart wheat ale with oysters on it. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the mantle that we're taking up as far as the Eastern Shore goes, at least with the response that we've gotten locally, has been, oh, they're that brewery that, aside from they're that oyster brewery that does that oyster beer, which is what we get all the time, which I am super happy to hear, is, oh, they're that brewery that does all the local stuff with all the local ingredients, right? And I think that's kind of the, like you said, after the initial freight train of craft beer that you know was dogfish and then evo and everything coming through and saying hey there's something available that's not just domestic or macro you know lager that we're coming along with kind of the nuanced you know passenger cars kind of in the middle of that train (laughs) on the rail going okay so there's you know there's even tiers within craft beer of kind of what the purposes are and the intents are and where they're trying to go so I think the biggest thing has been opening people's eyes up to, for in the tap room especially, everyone is still, I don't know, five, seven years behind going, oh, you do craft beer, so you do the hoppy beer, right? Okay, no, not all craft beer is IPA. There are, there are other things. Yeah, it may seem like it's all IPA sometimes, but it is, <laughs> it is most assuredly not. How much has the packaging played a role here? So, for example, how about it? The corn lager is in tall boys, but then you've got salts in stubbies. Was that intentional? Was that because of this pivot during the pandemic? How did this come about? So, I mean, part of it is just the fact that if I'm going to have corn lager, I'd like to have 16 ounces of it. So that's just personal selfishness probably right there. Um, now, for the uh, for the salts, there were a couple factors specifically for that. One is that the yeast that we did pull off the uh, Shingitig oysters is, even though it is a Saccharomyces yeast, I would not call it a domesticated or cleaned yeast, right? I mean, even you talk to Jasper, we've used this thing 25, 30 times at this point. So far from domesticated on a, on a broad scale. So it is still what I would consider a wild yeast in the sense that, you know, it is uh, voracious as far as uh, consuming sugars goes and very saison in that sense. And it is diastatic as positive. So I also don't want it to be in a package that, you know, couldn't handle a higher carbonation level. Yeah, this um, is an issue with some of the Kvike beers as well. Right. So there's that to take into consideration. But I also just loved the idea of stubbies because it felt very industrial. And the men and women that work the water, you know, it, it just reminded me of them. You know, it's stout, it's sturdy, and it can hold a lot for its, for its tiny package. So uh, I just thought it kind of, it worked well with that. Excellent. All right. That's pretty much all I've got. I very much appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for dealing with my being an old and not understanding technology. Apparently, I leave DC for five years and all of a sudden I can't operate a computer. It's amazing. No, this is how it happens. I have, I have kids and um, I'm now at the point where they have to help me with something tech related. Uh-huh. And my back hurts just saying that. So, oh, what, all the time. What are you going to do? I bought one of those little back things that you lie on, you know, like it's just a little like half moon on the floor. My three year old comes over, like looking at me. Man, this guy went downhill fast. What happened to him? It rains and then it pours. Exactly. And we're back. Thank you again, Josh, for your hospitality and for taking time out. Um, It is much appreciated. This episode's coming to you um, late April, early May, which means you're starting to plan um, those beach trips. Please keep uh, the Eastern Shore Delmarva Peninsula breweries, such as Chincoteague's Black Narrows, in your itineraries. 
especially as you continue to be vaccinated and be smart about it. All right. It's gonna be May. <laughs> oh, <laughs> with, the t- with the Timberlake. <laughs> oh, okay. So um, it was just Earth Day, and it was also just 420. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to quickly mention and that both TC Brown and Three Stars have terpene beers out. Terpenes are some delightful, vaguely marijuana-y thing. But the FDA and USDA and TTB and ATF would like us to let you all know um, that you can't get high from drinking these beers, alcohol and um, (laughs) weed. While they are a lovely combination, um, they're not personally allowed together in the same can. So really what it means is that these two DC breweries are making dank beers. Extra, extra dank. I think we should be clear. Terpenes are not cannabinoids. There is no THC in the beers that are being released by Three Stars Brewing Company and DC Brow Brewing Company. They may smell like weed, but there is no weed in these beers. There's no weed in me. There may be in your daily dealings with DC beer personnel on the DC beer scene. That being said, DC has decriminalized recreational cannabis and uh, surely other states are soon to follow, uh, Virginia specifically. But that being said, go support your local brewer. Buy from DC Brown, buy from Three Stars, buy from Blue Jacket, Hellbender, buy from the public option. We're just going to tease that. We're going to leave that out there. You can't buy from them right now, but that might be coming down the pike. All, all drama, all rumors aside, support your local brewery. Yes. Speaking of local brewery. I have been going out because I have been vaccinated and I've been going on dates. Brandy's got the vax. Listen, y'all. So (laughs) I, if, so to have beer. (laughs) So, um, so, um, I went to Port City this past Sunday, Saturday, Saturday, and I hadn't been to Port City in probably nine years, eight years, nine years. I mean, I've, I've had their beer, but like physically been there. I had the long black veil. My brain exploded. That beer is fucking phenomenal. Black IPA, y'all. Port City. That's a fire one. Hand clap to y'all. It was like <laughs> seven, seven and a half, maybe seven and a half percent. It was absolutely perfect. It was the, it was I actually wish that I would have just continued. I wish that would have been my date. I wish I wish the beer would have been my date and not my actual date. It was so good. Oh my God. So that and then Hellbender. So I had a date at Hellbender. They had the Hellas Bender lager and Mike Stein, mm. you would you would well, die. There's a Hellas Bender? Oh, oh gosh. Right. It's so good. Shout out to I'm Hellbender intrigued. for the Hellas Bender. It Ooh. is if it's it's perfect. It's crisp and but like like perfectly slightly sweet and smooth oh god hellbender i love y'all and then Mm. i was just at red bear as i previously mentioned and they were trying to do some fun stuff with beer tails which i know is a you know an issue with amongst all of us and amongst other people hey drink what you like right don't yuck my yum i get it but because they have some sours like that, the the uh, Manhattan Project was a cherry almond sour. If you do like a citrusy, like margarita, you know, frozen margarita with like a little beer floater on the top. I mean, what? Anyway, so Max over at mm-hmm. Red Bear is killing the 
the beer tail. So I just, I want to say that despite my dates, <laughs> I'm going out and having good beer. So shout out to all of our local breweries and you guys keep doing you because we're all going to be able to go out and drink more. So yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. we're going to take this opportunity to remind you that we are at DC Beer across social media. Get yeah, back and drink outside. All right, fellas. That's thank right. you all for listening. Thank you all for chatting. Thank you again, Josh. We will see you all Cheers. in two weeks. Love y'all. Remember, if you can't live for anything else, live for Snally, October 9th. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living for oysters on Chincoteague. Adios, Bye. amigos.